previously on the Dave and Steve show. I didn't have this problem in my 20s or 30s, and I don't know why my voice went that high, but what I'm saying is... And I'm like, how am I going to get this? And then I pull it out, I start screwing. Customs Authority in Ohio said they intercepted a shipment of cereal earlier this month with a special frosting. Grams. Cocaine. And he starts to kick in the drums, and he's doing some stuff, and he's tuning the drum heads. I will say that this is the jacket that I use to change the hummingbird feeders. Yeah. Steve and I would already be knuckle deep into our first bottle of wine. Well, that sounded weird. I didn't mean for that to yeah, come out that way. There's a bear down there. We got to get out of here now, he said. Um, I wanted to ask you guys if you have a couple of go-to crockpot, not like Instapot, but crockpot recipes that you like to do. I'm going to need you to get off the show right now. I need no. you to unplug your microphone, turn around, and walk out. Right I now. will not. Then, would you say, ah, oh, just keep it open. It'll be fine. Why are you guys closing it down? You're overreacting. No. We okay. talked about, about um, Thanksgiving sides for like At an Thanksgiving. Hour. It's not Crockspot giving. You need to smuggle big drug. We have big sub. You need to smuggle small drug. We have small sub. <laughs> Show number 46 of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, watching Steve fart around with his mic as we go live on the air just 27 miles away. Hey, everybody. I, uh, we, really got, we really got up to some biz last week. And from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom Tracy. I don't remember so any of that last week. That is insane. <laughs> Hang on. Are you hearing this? No, I, I don't have anything else. I really wish I did, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Are we are we in a time loop? What's going on? I think we pre-recorded what I did last week, which is the same as what I did the week before. So, so let me hang on. I'm even gonna okay. We'll let we'll let the song play out and then we'll explain what happened. Tracy's not a robot. He's a real human. So I pull clips every week, and this one got apparently orphaned way off to the side where I had kind of set it to come back to it. Let's let's find out what this actually says. Hang on. So Tracy, you. you you rode around for several hours, not squishing your nuts. Anything else? No, I, I don't have anything else. I really wish I did, but no. That was the clip. I don't know how it got way off into the intro section, but all of a sudden I heard Tracy talking twice and had his nuts. <laughs> well, that kind of spoils when we get to the what I did this week. We... <laughs> We are straight up pros on this show. I'll tell you that right now. I, the, if nothing else, we are we are absolute pros. Okay, let's reset here. Bring it down, everybody. Bring it mm -hmm. down, everybody. Take a yeah. step back. Let's take a deep breath. Ooh. Yeah, <sighs> we feel good. Show number forty six of the Dave and Steve Show. Uh, the uh, this was a weird week for me, and I don't know if you guys are feeling this way as well. Where here in the area we live in, we started to get a few sun breaks. We got a little rain mixed in there as well, and it's just it's just poking at me a little bit. Like spring is starting to starting to flirt with me just enough, just enough to where now the rain has kicked back in. It's supposed to rain for the next five days and I will be completely yeah. depressed by it because the sun was out for yesterday. I was able to take a nice long hour. It was very crisp, but I took an hour long walk and it was fantastic. And now yeah, it was, this is, it wasn't a full on spring tease. This is spring tease is usually when it gets above a little above 60 
and you can smell, you know, spring type things. And then we go into like three more weeks of just rain. Spring teas are also what they sell at Old Navy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on in for and they're thirty percent off right now. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so the we got started recording just a little bit late, which is why I was slamming things together, which is why Tracy's orphaned sound clip got played at the exact wrong time. But so the reason that and I wanted to ask both of you this: the reason that I was late is because homework in my house for my kids follows the same trend every time, which is. One of my kids comes to, they always go to my wife first, frankly, because when I work on homework with them, I have a tendency to make one of us cry. It's either them or me, but one of us ends up full of tears. Mm-hmm. So they, they typically a math problem. They, they come to my wife with a math problem. She tries to, to help them out as much as she can. I'd say nine times out of 10, she solves the math problem. I don't know if it's the right answer, but she at least tells them an answer and they go away. Sure. So. But there is that occasional time where she just, she can't, she can't figure out what's being asked, what's, what she needs to solve. So then she sends them to me. And so this is not to say I'm any smarter. This is to say, I'm frustrated. This is my wife saying, I'm frustrated. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Mm-hmm. I already a second set of eyes yeah, at this point. Yeah. I already did my schooling. I already did all that stuff. I don't want to do this anymore. Go ask your dad. It is literally just get away from me. And so they bring this to me and then I do the same thing that I always do. And I know my kids aren't going to listen to this. So I'm going to let you guys in on my little secret. Okay. There's a fantastic tool called the internet and the internet is home to everything. And what I mean by everything is, and these kids don't know this yet. At least my daughter. Including the Dave and Steve show, which is available on Spotify and Apple. Catching on. Apple podcast. Email us at the Dave and Steve show at the Dave and Steve show.com. So anyway, you're talking about the internet. At gmail.com. But yeah. So, so, so I'm talking to, so all I ever do is nine times out of 10, again, it's a story problem. And it has very specific descriptors in it, specific names, a scenario, so I just go to the Google machine, I type in the name and the scenario, and most of the time you will find that exact problem solved in long form with explanations. I quickly read it, I glance down through it, and then I act like I know what I'm doing. And I solve oh, the problem yeah. in front of them, and they mm. think I'm some kind of god. Here's the kicker, and this is where it could potentially get into a little bit of hot water. I've never told my wife this either. I don't oh. explain to her that I also punched it into the Google machine. Now, I don't gloat. I don't say like, well, I'm definitely way smarter than you. I let it be implied. And I just <laughs> kind of move on. Well, right? Uh, well, she did send them to you. Right. If, if, the, if, the, if there's any implicit piece in this, it's, it's her action, not yours. Correct. And I'm sorry that I'm a faster typist with my thumbs and I can throw things into the Google machine faster and I can find the answer. But this is how it works now, right? So So did it ever occur to you if you let Tessa in on this secret, she would just start doing it and then you wouldn't have to do it at all? No, because if I do that, the one time out of 10 that this happens, I don't get to look like the smart person in the room. Yeah, he Uh, would upset the power dynamic here. And I think that's the issue that we're dealing with. So I I, want to ask you guys both, we'll start with Steve, in your house... Son has a math problem. Son has a math problem. I don't know why I said it that way. Zach has a math problem. Who does he come to first? And who typically, regardless of who he comes to first, who typically helps him solve it? Okay. This is what typically does. He, he, he comes in with his math book and he looks at me and he says, um, Hey, dad, 
And then he looks over and he sees my wife and he says, "Never mind, mom." And, <laughs> yeah, just like that. And then we then we have to address that. Like I look at him like, "Look, we both know, but you don't have to do it like that. You could have if you address me first. At least let's go through the motions. Yeah, before, and and then then you can go over and talk to Wendy. Yeah, that was brazen." Wendy has meditated and in uh, mean spirited there more often than not, I will steer him down the wrong path when it's, when it's math. Okay. When it's, when it's something else, like, like it's, um, uh, history. Um, I can, I can talk to him. I can talk him through history. I can talk him through, you know, concepts of, you know, civics and, uh, things that humanities and things like that. But, um, even writing. And I, I like to think that I'm an okay writer. I, Wendy is a far better technical writer than I am. I really, I'm, I'm good at carrying in groceries. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. what I'm, I'm, I'm because I'm strong. Yeah, I think I've even heard Wendy say that actually. Yeah. He's good at carrying in groceries. Well, listen, when it comes to morals and ethics and all pretty much everything else, my wife is a much better person. I, if my kid comes to me first for any reason, I typically send them to her, and not because I, I just don't want to deal with it. It's because she is, she has a much better moral compass. She has a much better grasp on how to treat other human beings like human beings than I do. I don't want them to pick up my sociopathic tendencies. But when it comes to, when it comes to math or maybe even some science stuff, I, they, they tend to come to me, and that's only because again. My wife is, has a short fuse, and you know this. She has a short fuse on things, and she gets frustrated, and she can't help but contain her frustration. She's not frustrated at them. She's frustrated that she's not solving it in the time she would like to, and then she takes it out on them. So, Tracy, what about in your house? What, uh, who, who do well, they come it's, to? It's, it depends on the subject, very much like what Steve was talking about. So they don't come to me for math at all because of the tears situation. Right, right. And it's because what I want what I want is some sort of, I don't care if you don't know how to do it. I do care if you don't try and your effort level's low. And so that is really more an emotional thing that makes, starts to go into the hypersensitive yep. Yep. type area. And so I don't deal well with that because I'm a little more, I'm more hyper rational, I guess. So if we're talking about character traits, don't come to me for that stuff. Otherwise someone cries and it's never me. <laughs> so someone cries, but it's never me. So, but uh, my kids are, are, I mean, when it comes to writing history, Bible, because my kids go to a private school. Uh, what? One kidney, stuff. no TV, private school. Here we go. Yeah, Trifecta. I mean, so in, well, I got one kidney, so that makes me smarter than uh, one third of the population. Right. Because you don't have science. to send all that. You don't have to send all that extra energy to two kidneys. Yeah. You, you take I, that that's exactly it. Yeah. So exactly the way my doctor on the internet told me how it works. So the, um, but uh, so all these things, uh, I, I work with them. I can, I can do all those things. I do use the trick that you use, uh, Dave. Uh, I don't need to know everything in my daily, in my yeah. own daily life. I don't need to know anything to help my kids with homework either. I can just look it up. Correct. And so uh, I give them advice that they don't pay attention to. And uh, and the other thing I want to add is that my second son uh, is he school is easy for him. He, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It d doesn't matter what they throw at him. He seems to manage it. It doesn't, right. he's smarter than I will ever be. 
So I'm already like writing him into my like power of attorney and like living will because yeah. he's going to make all the right decisions when I'm laying on a bed and I can't even, you know, say my own name. So mm. that's the kid I want in charge of that. The rest of them, I don't care what happens. So uh, uh, my young son, my youngest son, he is an animal. Like he's just, he's a chimpanzee essentially. So he uh, takes more after my wife. But um, he is, he is, wow. He is like, uh, uh, he's working really hard. Like he just, he just finished his kindergarten interview because he's not, he's still four, but he's, uh, uh, he hasn't gone to any preschool or anything like that. So he's looking forward to getting into kindergarten. And I'm looking and forward he has to, to interview. Not- he has to interview to see if he makes it. Well, it's one of the, there's two things. I don't know. It's one of those things. They look to see if he's basically not climbing the walls, eating bananas and peeing on himself. He passed that interview. So he's going to have to do, you know, his basic colors, shapes and numbers and letters and see what, like what level he's reading at, if he can at all, if he, and uh, so he's really excited about that and he's been working really hard. And so at the kindergarten level, like I am still smarter than him without a doubt Yeah, that he's really doing really well. So he comes to me for some help on things if he wants to just show off. But um, generally he looks like he's got kindergarten under control. And that's part of the problem. You hear people say this all the time. It's absolutely true. Whether you're a young person who want, who cares to believe it or not, the way you approach math and solving math problems has changed since the time we were in school solving math problems. So not only has the approach to how kids solve a math problem, a math equation changed, but it's also, it's exactly what you said. Like, I feel like my cutoff point, and I know this because I've now had two kids and they both were right around the same time, right at around the age of 10, that's where they start to eclipse me in terms of yeah. the the problems that they're working through and things of that, that nature. I've long since forgotten all that kind of stuff or care to have any knowledge of how to do it, as Tracy said. With the advent of the internet, it's made us all really stupid because we can look things up very quickly without having to learn anything at all. And so I just, I look things up now. If I need to know the answer, it's right there. I don't need to commit anything to memory and I just move on. So, My 14-year-old self is smarter than I am right now. No and, doubt. and the thing is, though, that when you talked about the different ways that people do it, and, and it's amazing that, that I have people talking that are, you know, that are have kids, and they're, and they're talking about the different ways that people are learning and how, like, the way they learned it was better or whatever. And this isn't new at all because I had problems with it. My grandmother, who was a school teacher, um, like, a long, long time ago, she taught me tons of math that when I took it to school, I started failing math, even though I was getting the wrong answer. I wasn't doing it the way that they wanted it. And so like Tom Lair, of course, had his famous like new math um, uh, uh, song about describing how it is that math was then. And I don't know when Tom Lair did this. I think it was probably in the 1960s. Uh, he talked about the difference between new math and old math. and know that we're talking about these different ways of being able to see math particular like commutative math to be able to see how we group things together to be able to come to solutions and and how we do it depends on like how we're applying math in the current culture but it doesn't matter who it is that every parent thinks that the way that they learn math is the right way and everything else is stupid and it's unreal to me that we can't realize that like culture changes the way we use math 
And uh, anyway, I'm just on a rant, but people I, are stupid. I, I do not, not wrong. I do not think yeah. the way that I was taught math is better. By the way, I really don't. It's just different from the way I was taught math. And therefore, yeah. when I sit down to help them work through and they're saying, well, no, you got to go to the boxes and in the corner and you move this up. And I'm like, this is not the way I did it. I'm going to do it the way I know. We just have a disconnect there. And that's what makes yeah, it my even dad, more. My dad got into an argument with my fifth grade teacher about math. And she said that she she said that the way that I was doing math was number tricks. And my dad, who was like, went to the pre-med at the University of Washington and took a lot of advanced advanced math classes and was an engineer as well, and also a cab driver, if that actually, if you're picking up on a land down there. Uh, he, uh, he said, everything is math tricks. Like, everything's number tricks. The whole thing, everything yeah, is. Right. That's, that's what math is. It's all about tricks. That's all it is. And so, you know, he, she, he was taught different tricks than you were. I did not know math was going to set Tracy off like this. Go ahead, Steve. That pisses me off, man. I'll tell you what. Well, Dave and I had the same uh, math teacher in high school, and she was a good math teacher if you could learn math that way. Uh, if you couldn't learn math that way, there were not, there was no other way to do it. There was no other way for, for her that, that she would show you how to do it. And now I'm seeing multiple ways to arrive at the same thing that would have been so helpful to me. But instead, you know, you, you grow up thinking I am just bad at math. I'm, I just don't, and I'm not bad at math. I'm, I'm quite good at math and, and at story, but I had to learn I had to learn all these tricks that Tracy was talking about. And yeah. finally I'm able to do like things that, you know, that, that are yeah. functional and say, you'd never use those in your, in your job. I use them all the time. Steve, so. Steve, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit, but I'm going to throw myself under the bus with you at the same time. So I'm not mm -hmm. just throwing you under the bus. Sure. You and I were also the sort of smart ass jack off kids in class as well who mm -hmm. like to goof around, like to make people laugh, like to F off, like to do the things that, that sort of disrupted class a little bit. And you weren't, you were a good enough child that you didn't ever let it go too far. But at the same time, I speak from experience, you and I both were goofing off enough that we weren't always paying attention as well as we should have. And that factors mm -hmm. into it as well, where you're not sure you, you, yeah. you're just, you're just not into it. And so you're, right. you're wanting to do other things, make people laugh and all that kind of stuff. And so then you don't learn the, the foundations quite as well. There, there was, there's definitely, there, I mean, that's definitely a factor, but the frustration that I had when I went home and I would work, I, I would sit at my desk and work and work at it. And then I would always go in in the morning and after I would finish practicing, I knew when the math teacher came in so that I could go in and get extra help in the morning. And I was in there four days a week um, trying to figure out what was going on. And I had tutors at the college, um, you know, come out to the house. I'd go into them just to try and sit down. And I wasn't screwing around with those guys sure, because sure, we, sure. Were paying, we were paying them. And and they were able to show me different ways to do things and, and got me a passing. I, I, I got through, you know, I was able to get through just yeah. from those two, but it, that is a real sore spot for me and really, really difficult. And knowing yeah. that there's multiple ways to do it, you know, having that open mind and, and approach, I mean, it, it's, it's great to not pass that anxiety onto my kid. You and, and I, you and I went to the same school, but I don't know this. I truly don't. I, I peg you as like a, cause I was B's and C's. Were you in that sort of B and C range? 
I think I graduated with like a 3.1 or okay. something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that was, yeah, that, that was all pre-medication too. I, I mean, my grades noticeably changed in college hey, when- listen, we're, started- we're not your mom. You don't have to explain yourself to us, okay? We're good with no, this. I, we like you a like lot. I feel like I do. I, I feel like I'm on, I'm on, I'm on trial here. You <laughs> threw me under the bus, so I want to tell my side. <laughs> we like you a lot. I was B's and C's as well. I was yeah. B's and C's because I was a, like I said, a, a self-proclaimed jack-off who just didn't pay attention, was a smart ass and didn't do the things I needed to do. I, I, I am with you in that. I think, um, we, we had such a small school. You had, I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but you had one science teacher, you had one math teacher, you had one mm-hmm. English teacher, like that's what we had. And if that way of learning or their demeanor or whatever it might've been didn't work for you, you're well, done. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. You're it, done for the year. And yeah. the sad part about no, it is no, you're you know done it in for week four years. two. Yeah. 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 You know it in week two. Right. Right. You're week two into the class and you know, well, I know how this is going to go. To Steve's yeah. point, and, though, uh, I mean, like the math teacher, that was the math teacher from, frankly, junior high, seventh and eighth grade. You might dip into her classes for different reasons. But then ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, it was her. And I, I actually, I, I understand what you're saying about the way she taught math. For me, it was fine. I, I was okay with it. I had problems with other teachers in a similar sense. And once you had that, like, I didn't get along with the guy who taught shop. And I would have mm-hmm. le- loved to have learned about small engines and things like that. We had one shop teacher and he didn't, we didn't gel in. So I didn't take any of those classes. That was a, I don't even, how the hell did we even get on this subject? Where did, oh yeah, the kids, the kids in their math. Okay, let's, let's move on. Uh, Tracy. <laughs> Tracy, what was your grade point average? I don't remember. I think it started with a two. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, I liked girls in music a lot more than I did uh, schoolwork. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, let's just stick with Tracy. What'd you do last week? You know, nothing. Um, okay. I uh, rode yeah. my bicycle. You know, I, I told you guys, I, I, I kept riding and I was gone for a long time and I went, I was gone Saturday and, and, uh, I was gone so long that I thought it's it could get it could get dark. I've gone so far now, and I'd gone all the way into Seattle from my house, and so uh, I was over at uh, Gasworks Park, which is what a rubbish pit that is. Wow, I mean the whole thing is garbage to begin with, but that's the whole point of it. It's this it's this uh, spit out on uh, the end of like Lake, north end of like Lake Union, where it used to be kind of a a, a, a gas you know part of the, the worky power to Seattle worky thing. Yeah. yeah. And so now it's just kind of a monument to old, you know, you know, Victorian technology or whatever. And, uh, but it, on top of that, it's just a the place, just garbage heap, uh, just riddled with graffiti and everything like that. So once I got there, I didn't even want to pee there. So I, uh, just ate a couple of almonds and just turned around and went back. But Did you, were these just was, almonds you found at Gasworks Park? Yeah. yeah these are just are almonds these, I was looking around for. Are these functional almonds like magic almonds? You, you eat them and you don't have to pee anymore. You know, I don't have to answer that really. So the, uh, I, uh, I decided there were parks along the way along Lake Washington. So it, the, the day was colder than it was supposed to be. The wind around the lake was really cold. I was cold. And uh, I just stayed on my bicycle the entire day. And I don't even really like bicycle. Riding a bicycle is always just what I do for fun with my kids. I spent a whole day doing it. And I came back and I, w- I'd, I totaled about 51 miles. And I was like, 
that's officially too far. It's at the maximum what I can do in a day. <clears throat> and I was just wrecked. I was completely just absolutely wrecked. I felt awful the next day too. See, I, I have no frame of reference for bike riding. You always say this. You always say like I went X number of miles, but I, I, I don't have enough experience with a bike to know what is a long bike ride and what like if you told me that you ran five miles i'd be like oh that's a pretty good run and it said i did 10 i'd be like wow that was a good run with bikes i just have no i don't know the physical exertion required and and sort of how that translates well i can tell you this it's probably it's no less than a half marathon and maybe more uh my body was completely just devastated from my from my back on the way down to my legs and so do you do you was, listen do you listen to anything on the long bike rides do you have like headphones that you i just listen it... to the voices in my head no i don't do that uh i i uh um i i'm thinking about what it is i need to do for that uh to i i i spend a lot of time talking to myself frankly uh trying to like this is a this is a time where basically you can just hear yourself breathing and there's a point when you get so exerted that you are like your your brain your body is actually focused on staying alive at some point yeah yeah and yeah yeah so because yeah. you're just so tired you're not into anything else so this is a time to like you know talk and listen and get your spiritual act together and get, so get really thing, amped up about math well, yeah, I mean, this is part this, to be honest with you, this is something that kind of around mile 26 through 29 had me really fired up. So yeah. I'm calmed down a little bit and I was able to speak rationally about it. But uh, no, nah, it's just a bike ride. He's riding across the bridge trying to prove the existence of um, imaginary numbers. Yeah, exactly. Steve, uh, what'd you do last week? We're running long. We spent so much damn time talking about math. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I realized that, you know, my, my exercise routine has been swimming and I, I was just curious as to what does it mean to swim a mile, you know, every day. And that's about what I swim. I swim about a mile every day. And I plugged that in. I'm like, what does that equal for running? And it said, well, it, it equals anywhere from between three to five miles, um, depending on, you know, how, uh, how fast you swim. So immediately I'm like, wow. I run five, I run five miles a day. You know, I, I immediately give myself the five instead yeah, of the three. Of course. Round but up, always round up. I was, I was excited about that. We, we started back into the body pump, which may, which means that my body became incredibly sore again. And now I have to keep doing it or, or I'm going to be sore again the next time I it's start doing the it. the worst name ever. Right. Body, body pump, pump is the worst name because you can't, you can't say we've started back into the body pump and have that sound anything other than penis enlargement, something sexual like this body pump. Wendy and I like to body pump in the kitchen where we have a, a wider uh, floor where we have more, where we have more room to move and more room to put the benches. Yeah. So, yeah. so we body pump in there. We did body pump in the living room, but I didn't like doing it in front of the windows. I, so explain, Tracy. Let me ask you. Do you know what body pumping is? Do you know what Do you know what it is to body pump? Do you know what this? I exercise... didn't hear about it. I didn't even know what existed before Steve had mentioned it the last time, and I was I couldn't even hear what his explanation was over my old my own like inner monologue of snickering. All right, <laughs> keep, keep keep this short, Steve. But explain to us very briefly, elevator pitch. What is body pump? All right, body pump is a high intensity 
um, weight regimen that takes place over a 55 minute period where you work all the different muscle groups around the body with, um, mul- with, with, um, many, many reps at lower weight. So you're not carry, you're not making a lot of heavy weight movements, yep. but you're yep. making a ton of movements with smaller weights. And I have never been sore, um, than I, than I, am the first week I do body pump. So I, I really enjoy doing it. It's Les Mills is who originated it. I'm going to lay down a challenge for you. Not body pump related, but exercise related. So the mile in the pool translates to roughly three to five miles running. So I want you to run five, th- five miles. I want you to run three miles this week and let us know how it went. What I'm curious about, and I'm not, I'm not doing this to like yeah. say you're going to fail or anything. I'm curious if all that time in the pool has translated to the cardio that allows you to then get out and run for three miles where, cause I'm not implying anything. I don't think I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. I don't think you've run three miles in a while. I, and that's, I haven't swam a mile in a while. I'm saying like we pick different exercises that we like to do. I don't mm-hmm. think you've run three miles in a while, get out and run three miles and see what happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that a shot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working running and biking into everything uh, now that the, that the weather's starting to get a little bit better because I, the goal is to try and do a short marathon at the end of the summer and a triathlon, not marathon, but uh, try to do all three of those things. And it requires a three mile run and a half a mile swim and like a 12 mile bike ride. So could I take you, whatever Tracy does in a bike ride and, you know, cut it in quarters and that's about. So you, I just kind of looked at that. So it's three to one bicycle to running. And I about around uh, mile 41, I was thinking about this. Um, if I would, if this would increase my ability to run, but one of the things that it always happens is like bike. I, the reason I bicycle is because it's easier on my knees. And so right. r- running in tends to be a little harder on my knees. And I, and I was like, so I, I looked at that 51 miles, it translates to about 17 miles running. There's no way I could run 17 miles. I don't and even know it, that I could run seven. My, my arms do a hell of a lot of the work in the water. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling myself with my arms mostly when I'm swimming. So I'm probably gonna have to run that three miles on my hands. Right. Yeah. If, do you guys realize half and half. Are you, are you picking up the power trilogy that we're putting down here though? I'm the runner, Steve's the swimmer, Tracy's the biker. Like we are yeah. the triathlon right here. Yeah. It's we all We could totally we could totally enter a triathlon as a team. <laughs> as a relay. It's not a relay, you guys. Shut up. Steve's well, going to swim. I, I think I think they have had that. Like yeah. you, where you can have that, but it's the like the lamest thing to do. <laughs> well, we just I'm have to decide course. who's going to do the body pump section. I'll do the body pump section okay. as long as I can have some, you know, as long as I can have a burrito at the end, I'll be fine. I feel like we, we took a show last week that I would call probably a good nine out of 10 in terms of entertainment value. We've delivered a solid three this week and yep. I'm going to cut things short. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back on the Dave and Steve show. I'm Kevin Rutledge and I'm English Petroleum's newly appointed head of our foreign universal collateral emergency department or who said FUSED was formed to tackle complex issues like we are experiencing in your Gulf. First we had the spill, now we have this new f- situation. Although we have had some trouble with the acronym, we are not having trouble getting the Gulf help fast. FUSED is EP's new line of defense. You know, just after we had that spill happen, EP swarmed our sleepy little Gulf fishing village. 
you could say the whole town is basically fucked. Fused, or F-U-C-E-D, is focusing on preventing our problem from becoming your problem. Well, this is fucked. It, it's pronounced Fused. No, I'm pretty sure this is fucked. Like that pelican over there. Fused. Between the government and EP's new situation, I am confident we will find a solution. All right, I said it. Where's my hundred dollars? EP and Foo said, we're making it right. Mid-century modern is an American movement that describes design of products, architecture, urban development, and some body parts that had their origins in a period ranging roughly from 1945 to 1969. In retrospect, many design experts recognize this period as having a significant impact in the history of the design movement. Mid-century modern is known for its emphasis on clean and simple lines, honest use of materials, and a general lack of unnecessary decorative embellishments. It's important to know that when you see something that is described as mid-century modern, that you should be careful never to view it as merely old, but rather a mature piece that demonstrates simple and elegant design in a perpetually timeless style. This has been Tracy's I Don't Wear Anything Special When I Ride My Bicycle Minute. still blows me away it still blows me away that you wear nothing special when you ride a bike long distances Uh, it's i don't know what it is i you know some people look young some people you know they 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 have young bodies and i'm just you know down there i'm just like like i was 25 years old it only takes one time for your scrotum to get caught in the bike chain yeah (laughs) you're done you're done you won't you will never have that you'll never do that again more than anything i just wanted to try and get tracy to dance around not saying testicles balls or nuts because that's exactly what he did last week and he's trying to do it again this week too he was trying so hard to find clips from that but it sounded like i was talking about a mid-century modern coffee table yeah it was totally (laughs) nondescript it was pissing me off functional perform functional perform yeah. So uh, let's. I, I did, and I apologize. At the top of the show, I forgot to mention Steve's got another story. Another story. Another story. What is wrong with you, Steve? Oh, I, I have. I can. I can tell you kids some stories. Steve's got another game cooked up for the, us this week. So we're going to be playing that a little bit later. So stick around for that. And in that spirit, because we have a game to get to, I want to keep things moving. Let's find out what Tracy has in the headlines. And now, straight from the Dave and Steve Show news desk in beautiful Anytown, USA Plaza, it's Tracy Green with this week's headline. Our first story, the Prince of Darkness is apparently looking for a date on the Boston subway system. A 20-year-old woman approached transit police at the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority's Forest Hill Station at 10.45 p.m. Monday to complain about an encounter with a man dressed all in black, including a mask covering his entire face and his hood drawn tight, police said on their website. The woman told police that the man typed something on his phone and extended his arm across to her, displaying the message that read, I am Satan. 
So when you said the Prince of Darkness, I honestly thought Ozzy had wandered onto the subway and was talking to people. I'm like, oh, what's Ozzy up to these days? <laughs> I, had... I, I really, I thought that was going to be the thing. And you know what? I, I don't think the Prince of Darkness would would type it out on a screen and then show it to you. I think they would just take their finger and then write it in fire in the air. Yeah, that's how that would. You would never. I mean, the, there's no there's no good effect because then you're like, wow, what font is that? Comic Sans he used. So, you know? Steve, I like that you jumped to the message delivery system, but we're not knocked at all by the fact that Satan needs to ride the subway. Oh no! If 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 anybody's riding that subway, it's <laughs> yeah, gonna be it's gonna be that's, that's that I thought that was like without oh it's like I wouldn't question that. The very but, least uh, controversial aspect of it. I, the I, the I, woman said, "Go ahead, go ahead." I don't remember. I, I'm gonna let me get back up on the mic because I stepped back because I thought you were gonna do it, and I'm going back and forth, and I don't know what to do. But Tracy, long ago we went to a I went to something called the New York Press event that was in. Uh, believe it or not, New York. Uh, yeah. This was for when we worked at the video game company together, and it was a big yeah. yearly press event thing where we showed all of our stuff. That time of year... you went to with Robert the Grump? Yeah, I or... did. That's when I went okay, with Robert yeah. the Grump. Incredibly hot, incredibly humid at that time of year that we were there. It sucked. I was way heavier than I am now, so I was sweaty and gross all the time. And we would go down into the subway... And the subway felt like it was 20 degrees warmer than it actually was outside, which was already blazing hot. And you mm -hmm. were down there in that dank, locker roomy, smelling, gross subway. And I, at first, I didn't realize what people were doing. And then it, it dawned on me, you get so sweaty down there that as the, as the subways come through the tunnel and they push the air in front of them and it pushes out into the subway station where everybody's standing... People lean out. They lean not over the track where they're going to get hit, but they lean out just a little bit so that the air hits them in the face and on their sweaty faces, it cools them off a little bit. Yeah. The problem is all of that air smells like urine. It is <laughs> urine soaked, dank, yeah. hot air. But I was doing it right along with everybody else. Yeah, You're because... making a deal with the devil there so much. You're like, oh, it's cold air. That's, where he, <laughs> that's why he's down there. Yep. He is. He has a shitload of paperwork to do down there. <laughs> when he's not sending so. messages, he's pissing all over the walls so that the air that hits you in the face smells like Satan's urine. That's how. That's that's the kind of deal he makes. Yeah. So, so yeah. the woman uh, who was frightened had pointed out to the police, uh, Satan, the 22-year-old man told officers that he was only flirting and trying to be funny. I was going to try to get her number. He said he was. Uh, told that his actions were not humorous. He was ejected from the station. The woman was escorted by police to her destination. See, that's just what the devil would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not the devil. I was just trying to get her number. <laughs> Our second story, the medical board of California said it would investigate a plastic surgeon who appeared in a video conference for his traffic violation while trial while operating dr scott green appeared thursday for a sacramento superior court trial held virtually because of the coronavirus pandemic from an operating room he was dressed in surgical scrubs with a patient undergoing the procedure just out of view the beeps of machine of medical machinery can be heard in the background unless i'm mistaken i'm seeing a defendant that's in the middle of an operating room appearing to be actively engaged in providing services to a patient. 
Is that correct, Mr. Green? Yes, sir. I have another surgeon right here who's doing the surgery with me, so I can stand here and allow them to do the surgery also. Not at all. <laughs> in, in, in an ironic twist, he was operating on the cat lawyer. <laughs> so the judge said he didn't think it was appropriate to conduct trial under the circumstances. He told Green he'd rather set a new trial date when you are actively involved or participating in attending to the or when you're not, excuse me, actively participating and uh, attending to the needs of a patient, uh, Dr. Green apologized. I, I'd be conflicted as a judge because on one hand, you found this court date so important that even though you had a surgery going on, you made time to also give a little bit of time to the court date. But at the same time, obviously, you've got somebody that you're operating on that you should probably be focused on. So I think as a judge, I think I would go back and forth just a little bit on. I belched right there. I hope you guys didn't catch that. I, hopefully that didn't get picked up. But, but I, I, would, I would. Yeah, I would go. I would go back and forth. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I, know, I think the I think I the blood on his when he raised his hand to take the oath and there was yeah. blood on his glove. I think that's what uh, actually changed the judge's mind. If I was the judge, I would have immediately held him in contempt because that is a weird manipulative thing to do um, that you're manipulating a your position e either to say, look, I'm a doctor. This is far more important than this stupid, you know, try you're there. You're at a court date. It's it's either court date or surgery. And I would have as the judge, I would have been super pissed because if you're a doctor, you're smart enough to know that. And it's, it's, it's either court date or surgery. I would, I would counter and say both are possible. You can <laughs> at, the, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's incredibly disrespectful to the court and it's incredibly disrespectful to the patient. If I was that patient, I would have sued his ass immediately. I, 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 I absolutely for taking a courtroom call and, uh, and, and reported him to the board of. So uh, he was a plastic surgeon. What do you think the surgery was? Uh, He's probably probably putting in a Prince Albert. <laughs> I don't know. Do you? I I I'm really asking. I'm honestly asking. Do you need to go to a plastic surgeon for that? I think isn't that just a, a dime store strip mall tattoo parlor that you go into to get a Prince Albert? You don't go. You don't go to a plastic surgeon for that. Do I don't know. I'm asking. I did. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Can we, yeah. Let's get one of those guys on the show. <laughs> Our third story, Japan has asked China to stop taking anal swab tests of COVID-19 uh, on the citizens, on its citizens when they enter the country. Some have complained that the procedure caused them psychological distress, officials say. The tests are used on some of those quarantined on entering China. He also said that, uh, noting that there has been confirmed, there's not been any confirmed cases of this anywhere else in the world. But so far, China has not responded to the request, as adding that Japan's government has made the request through the embassy in Beijing. Now, some Chinese cities have introduced anal swabs hmm. uh, with local experts claiming that they can increase detection rate of infection in people. Can't I just give you a sample? <laughs> I mean, that what you don't have to. You know what? Don't come to me. I'll come to you. I, you know, I, I don't need no, no. I, so I've had, I've had two COVID tests. 
I've had one that was a swab inside of the nostril, just a very simple swab around the nostril. And then I've had the brain poke with the long rod uh, Q-tip that they yeah. shoved back in there. And, and it sucked. It's only a few brief seconds. It, I hated it. And I think I might actually prefer to go the anal route over the nose route if I have to go with the long Q-tip. It's, I was thinking the same thing because I've had I've had the flu test right. and it's the same right. thing. So yep. I mean, it's like I would definitely uh, go on the southern route rather than that uh, one for sure. My doctor told me the flu test was a finger in the butt. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. Go to another I, doctor. I, I need to talk to my doctor. That's, that's so not... at the time uh, of their launch, state media reports. Uh, reported that these tests were controversial among experts and they were far less uh, efficient than tests of the upper respiratory tract. The existing tests were, were preferred as they believe that most people contract the virus orally. The mm -hmm. tests involve inserting a cotton swab, three to five centimeters, that's one to two, 1.2 to two inches into the anus and gently rotating. Mm. Not not the urethra. <laughs> just you really gotta twist it. We really gotta just <laughs> So I worked with a guy. <clears throat> His name was Ryan, and Ryan was a an art director who Ryan tells a story openly and has I've heard him tell it myself many times, so I know I'm okay to tell this story. Ryan had a procedure done at a hospital and they had to put in a catheter. So Ryan had mm -hmm. a tube, obviously, in his urethra. As that because that's how catheters work. The problem was that Ryan, and apparently this is not common, but somewhat common, Ryan's urethra was so swollen when they went to take the catheter out, they could not remove the catheter. And so the nurse literally gave him two options. She said, you can go home and you can wait for the swelling to go down and you can just get in a bathtub and you can pull it out or you can go home and wait for the swelling to go down you can come back in and we'll take it out for you. But you got to wait a couple days, like give it a couple of days and then just pull it out. You should know it. You should actually be able to feel it loose and you'll know it can come out. So Ryan waited, <laughs> waited the time. And he was like, I, I wasn't going to drive all the way back to the hospital to get this thing pulled out. So he said, I just got a pair of needle nose pliers. And uh -huh. I, went, I went and got in the bathtub. And he said, yeah. it was literally that thing of like, I would almost grab it and then I wouldn't grab it. And then I'd, uh -huh. I'd like psych myself up. I'd go to grab it again. I'd let, I wouldn't, I would, I'd get it near, but I wouldn't. Nope. And then I'd back off again. And he said, I did this for a good two hours sitting in a bathtub, not even being able to touch it. And I finally just got up and put my pants on. And my wife said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the hospital, to get the catheter See, removed. And I yeah. would have, uh, I would have tied a string to it and then tied a string to the doorknob. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say to like a and Camaro. Slam the door. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I would, I would liken this to the scene in that movie, Jack Reacher, where the guy says, look, I can either shoot you in the head right now, or you can chew three of your fingers off of your hand. And the guy like puts, puts his hand up to his mouth and then he's just like, just give me the bullet. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> totally. Just, yeah. Mm. Okay. Our fourth story, a KPIX-5 reporter in San Francisco investigating a series of auto break-ins in the Twin Peaks area 
was robbed of his camera at gunpoint Wednesday. Residents who live near the city landmarks say car break-ins have been commonplace in the neighborhood. And on Wednesday afternoon, the smash and grabs turned into an armed robbery. KPIX reporter Don Ford was on the story Tuesday and again on Wednesday and was preparing to interview nearby uh, homeowners when a white luxury van uh, well, excuse me, white luxury sedan, because there are no such things as white luxury. Oh, there are, and they're very nice. But, With uh, four men inside, pulled up. He said the car came up while they, we were doing the interview, and three guys jumped out. One guy had a gun and put it in my face and said, we're taking the camera. My whole thought at the moment was, be calm. Let's not this get this guy excited. So he's got the gun. I don't. So you take the camera. It's yours, buddy. It's a fair trade. <laughs> yeah. I like I like the thought process that this guy diligently broke down the fact that that guy had a gun and he didn't. So take the camera. Like what what other outcome is there? Yeah, so, I know I, he like breaks it down. Like I was I was analyzing carefully all the the and factors. Listen, he had a gun, and guns have bullets in them, and bullets can break the skin. And yeah. one of those that gun could have fired one of those bullets. So I let him he, have the camera. So he I pulled the checklist yeah. out and started going down the checklist. What to do if somebody puts a gun in your face? Yeah. Do you have yeah. a gun? No. Okay, check I, the box and then it's a little. Yeah. I always wonder. I always wonder this, like whether it's the capital riots or it's looting or whatever it is that's going on. I always wonder the same thing. Like why? Why are more cameras not just taken or smashed on the ground or whatever it might be? It, it is. There's a weird thing with the human psyche where no matter how much shit is going on next to you or how much shit you're involved in, the moment you see a camera, you're like, hey, am I on TV? Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, hi. Like, hi, oh, Mom. And then you go right back to burning the thing you were burning or breaking the thing. Yeah. Like, you go right back to what you were doing, but there's never that moment of like, hey, we could break the camera too. It's always sort of like, hey, how no, are you? Yeah, there's, there's a million hours of footage of different riots that you don't have to go back a year to yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and nobody's like, hey, there's a guy who's got a camera with the Correct. Yeah. That? It's the it's the yeah. weirdest thing of like, no, nah, they leave the camera guy alone. Let's go break the Macy's. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> they took the camera and he says, It's yours, buddy. When the gunman was interviewed later, the unmanned uh unnamed man clarified that the reporter was not his buddy. Right. <laughs> I like <laughs> I, I like to think that he was interviewed in his apartment by his friend holding the camera. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's the, that's the news, fellas. All right, let's take one more quick break. We'll come back with one of Steve's crazy-ass games right here on the Dave and Steve Show. The following is a public service announcement for the National Institute for Inclined Planes, Levels, and Stairs. Life has its ups and downs. Tell me about it. Oh, hi, Cecil the Garter Snake. What seems to be the problem? Well, it seems that all the tasty bugs are up in the trees, and I can't seem to get there. I don't know what to do. Hmm, well, that is a pickle. When I need to get to a different level, I use stairs. Have you tried that? Sometimes, but stairs can be hard for a snake. Ha, I guess so. You know, you could always use an inclined plane. An inclined plane? What's that? 
An inclined plane is a sloping platform that gradually allows someone to reach different levels, up or down. The kids today might refer to them as ramps. That sounds much easier. Where can I get a ramp? There are many fine builders of stairs, levels, and inclined planes in the United States, but you should always start with the National Institute of Inclined Planes, Levels, and Stairs, or as it is commonly referred to as nipples. It's easy. Just go online and search N-I-I-P-L-S. Nipples. I think you'll like what you see. Wow, I will. Say, is a ramp something I can build myself? Sure, if you're so inclined. <laughs> but probably not. You don't have any thumbs. Oh, and Cecil? Yes? If you ever come in my yard again, I'll chop you up with a shovel and throw your pieces in the gutter because I'm absolutely terrified of snakes. This has been a public service announcement for Nipples, the National Institute for Inclined Planes, Levels, and Stairs. Go online and search for Nipples today. And now, live from the Dave and Steve Show studio in beautiful Burbank, California, it is time for another one of Steve's crazy-ass games. Hi everybody, I'm Steve Dam, and today's game is called Nevermind Where Are They Now? How Much Money Do They Have? Oh wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's it's not gonna go well on a t-shirt. But yeah, um, it's, it's a mouthful. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna say it again, so it's fine. Um <laughs> so we're just gonna let it slide. Um so here's the name of the game. So what we're doing is we're taking um, I have gone through and made a list of uh stars from yesteryear. And uh, by yesteryear, I mean they're still around. Um, they're they're not dead. Okay. They're, yeah. That, that's they're, the only requirement at this they're point. They're still alive. Yeah, they're still alive. And uh, we are going to, well, I'm not going to, but Tracy and Dave are going to have to guess what their net worth is now. Now, uh, full disclosure, my net worth is probably somewhere around negative $500,000. Okay, so let's not... Let's not think that I'm being super judgy. Everybody on this list is doing better than I um, that I'm doing, and we'll just leave it at that. So we uh, we aren't really making fun of them, but we are curious about what uh, uh, I, you know what they're doing and what they're making. I guarantee there's going to be a few of these that I am completely surprised by their net worth. Just as there's going to be a few of these, I am completely surprised are still alive. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. And. Uh, with that, um, I'm going to I'm going to put a number um, down uh, downstairs, and you guys are going to have to guess to see who goes first. So, um, yep, they're right down there in my pants. So, Tracy, what, what what's your guess? I would like to select the number six. Okay, you, you think he can fit six downstairs? That's I I don't know actually. Okay, I'll go two. Okay, well the number was six. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. I didn't switch my Tr fingers or nothing. Tracy gets right. to take a hundred dollars out of your downstairs now. <laughs> if he can find Dream come it, true. How about he that? Can, he can you know, rustle around down there and see what he can come up with. All right. So, uh, uh, so the first, um, the first candidate here. Um, how much do you think Andy Dick is worth? 
closest Ooh. closest to the number doesn't matter if you're over closest to the number will receive a point. Steve not everybody's going to know who some of these names are so maybe you just say actor comedian actor comedian Andy Dick from news radio right, right, uh, right. fame and other and other types of um, awful things um, he's uh, yeah he's so I mean around. he's really kind of at do you remember when uh, he's really kind of at that sort of love boat stage I think which I think has been described love boat was always like in the 70s and 80s was kind of a Viking funeral for Yep. Um, for 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 celebrities. So I'm gonna say probably he hasn't worked in a while, so you got to index it for inflation. I'm gonna say uh, four million dollars. I'm gonna go. Okay. Uh, I did want to ask too. Are we doing in like hundred thousand increments? Like, can I say <laughs> point point eight million? Uh, yeah. Okay. You absolutely. Can. Can we use price of prices right rules. Uh, we're, we're, if you're over, it's okay. Oh, okay. So, well, I'm, I'm going. So no. I'm going. I'm going. One point eight million. Okay. One point eight million. Okay. The answer for Andy Dick is three million dollars. So Tracy's closer by point two million dollars. Two hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. Nice, Tracy. In well, my well. head. So good for him. Yeah. Exactly. You know what? Good for everybody on this list. But uh, but the next one, Dave, I'm going to ask you. Um, is Lance Bass of InSync? Oh man, yeah. Ooh. So obviously, InSync did really well for themselves, but at the mm -hmm. same time, they had the shitty, little bit rapey manager who uh, kind of took everything from them. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one is a little, and I don't know. This is what makes this so tough: is I don't know anything about the rights. I don't know what he's pulled, and I also don't know. I know Lance Bass has popped up on other things, hosting the red carpets at this thing and all that. So this one is a tough one. I'm going to, but I'm going to go high-ish. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 15 million. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go below that, but I think I was kind of using, I was kind of tracking your um, situation too, Dave, I, is because we don't know what the, his residuals are on royalties on what they were able to do in his heyday, but I'll say, I'll say 10 million. Okay. Excellent. Um, and keep in mind, Lance Bass um, did, um, arrange for $20 million to be paid to the Russian government in order for him to be a, um, a space tourist. And I don't believe he ever got approval to go. And I don't believe he ever got that money back. So, um, Lance Bass is currently worth $22 million. So Ooh. Dave takes a point. Wow. All right. Well done. All right, Tracy. The next one. Does, um, wait, a real know. quick question, and I'm sorry. Does that mean he was worth 42 million until he gave the Russians the money to go to space? And didn't I don't. Get I don't know where he got okay. that. If he if he got something, it could have been a promissory. Or... Maybe it's a promissory note. Yeah, probably something. Like that. I wonder I... if he dealt with the same guy that was trying to sell us the submarines on last week's show. I wonder if that was the same. So your fancy Lance Bass <laughs> with uh, with the singing and the in sync, and the, I want yeah. it that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, Tracy, your, um, your next candidate, um, is of blossom fame, um, actor Joey Lawrence. Oh, Ooh. whoa. <laughs> I absolutely adored that show. It made me feel very happy. And, and I in my that, opinion, nation, the sun yeah. is gonna surely shine. I had such a, I had such empathy for the older brother that had the addiction problems. Yeah. And uh, so, whenever there was a very special blossom, 
it always uh it always had to do with her brother and I always felt a little bit of sadness and sometimes I still do okay, okay. we're well, not, we're not. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care how you feel about him <laughs> I'm gonna for uh Joey Lawrence I'm gonna say six million dollars okay six million dollars Dave go ahead and give me a number uh I feel like because he was on other things too he was a child actor he did blossom I feel like he's probably got at least one or two infomercially type of things where he's doing like the ab flex or something like that Tracy what was your number six million okay I'm gonna go seven just to just to try and game the game Okay, uh, Tracy takes it, um, but he, I mean, neither one of you should really get a point because Joey Lawrence is only worth $250,000. Wow. What did yeah. he do with his money? I don't know, but it's more than what I have. He was on so. several sitcoms. Well, you know, I mean, all it takes is a couple of um, people with the Glenn Gary leads to call him up and, and yeah, sell him we're talking swamp about land in Florida. We're, we're talking about net worth. Yeah, so he sure. probably has a really like awesome motorhome or something. Hey, hey, if Joey Lawrence <laughs> happens to be listening to this, reach out to me because I can get you hooked up with my guy at H&R Block who can probably help to get you back on track. Just just reach out. And we'll talk. All right. Very good. Um, so uh, you hear that, Mr. Lawrence? Uh, feel free to give us a holler. Um, so uh, huge teen tiger beat heartthrob from the 80s. Um, now, um, uh, now somebody that is considered left behind Kirk Cameron. So here's the weird thing about Kirk Cameron. And I was away from my microphone again. I apologize. I keep stepping away. <laughs> he's, got, he's just, he's just down the hall. I've got he's... a point to make. I'd like to speak to you about this for a moment. Uh, no. So when it comes to Kirk Cameron, here's the interesting thing. Kirk Cameron is incredibly religious. And Kirk has parlayed his religion into several movies that have done very well for, I mean, they ha listen, they haven't been hundred million dollar. No, but the, the left behind series in, did really well and it grossed really well. Correct. Yeah. And so there, that is the sort of, that's the factor. Cause outside of growing pains, he's that, that was kind of it, but then he's, he's found this new, new way of, of making money. So I'm going to go higher for him. I think probably the highest that I think that I've gone so far. And I'm going to say $25 million. Yeah. And I would say when we're talking net worth, we're, we might be talking about the, the businesses he's owned. So he's talking about actually kind of like parlaying access to uh, sort of evangelical Christian uh, media. So as somebody who's like got the ends on that, he was able to actually kind of create a lot of businesses on it. I actually would go even higher than that. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll do prices right on you there and do 26 okay. million. Now that you've said that, I think that's the right way to go. Okay. Uh, Dave receives a point because Kirk Cameron is worth $10 million. 10 million. Really? Mm. According to the website, uh, celebritynetworth.com, which is the only thing I bothered to check. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so as Kirk Cameron has parlayed um, his religious experience into um, a decent chunk of change with $10 million, let's talk about another uh, former teen star from sitcoms, uh, Charles in Charge, Eight is Enough, um, and also the sidekick to Scott Baio in the movie Zapped, Willie Ames, uh, who has now uh, most recently been known as Bible Man. Yep. 
Oh, Willie. So was he the, he was a sidekick to He's Charles and Charlie. Curly Charles hair. Yeah. The curly hair. Yeah. yeah. So I can only think of like Joni loves Chachi. And I was remember, I think it was it. We used to work with the guy from Korea and he was the one that told us that like, and I don't know if this story is true, but I want to <laughs> like believe everything it's true. about it so far. Well, the fact that like that Chachi was a, uh, translated into Korean into uh, like a, a body part on a man, mm-hmm. and so when they when they debuted the show, Joni loves Chachi. They got a lot of Joni loves of good, penis. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of first week uh, eye, eyeballs were on it <laughs> to see <laughs> what sure exactly is. yeah what Aaron the uh, Aaron Moran was actually uh, into at that point. But it turns out this it was is Scott the part Bale, where not... I yell, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so what was I'm, the gonna question a, again? I'm gonna need a number for Willie Ames. What's his what's his net worth? I'm gonna say six hundred thousand dollars. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll say eight dollars. Uh, okay, so Dave's actually closer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Willie Ames. I'm so sorry. I I Again, we're not poking fun at you, man. We're just uh, we're just playing a game. Dave's not that close, but it's one hundred thousand dollars. But to be to have one hundred thousand dollars net worth and have three jackasses in Washington State even know your yeah. name, yeah, like, come on, he's lived a lie. Well, to be exactly. fair, you didn't exactly. really know his name. You knew about a Korean show that was Joni Loves Penis, and Aaron what? Moran was the one who played Joni in the American version. So I don't really know that that counts. And you know what? He always seemed like a dude that I could hang out with, you know? Yeah. I, I, I didn't have anything against Willie Ames. I, I would have asked him a lot of questions about Dick Van Patten, but, you know. <laughs> we, all, we all have those stored up questions about Dick Van Patten, but. Yeah. Well, what was he really like? Did he ever let you touch his head? Um, the next, the next um, I don't know, uh, subject of, of this uh, which, which, whose turn is it? I think it's, it's mine. Dave's. It's mine. Yeah, it's yeah. Mine. All right, Dave. Um, tell me, um, about, uh, comedian Cat Williams. About how much do you think comedian Cat Williams is worth? Boy, Cat, I mean, that's such a, I, I just, I don't have frame of reference for how successful he's been. I know the name. I know him. I know a couple of movies I think I've seen him in, but outside, like, I, I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, finger in the air and say five million okay uh, i'm gonna go uh below that i'm gonna go uh one dollar okay um tracy is closer um <laughs> as he uh cat williams is currently his net worth is 1.5 million dollars so good for you cat and this is what i said to you when we started this game when we were talking about this game in prep you could tell me Cat Williams. You could tell me right now he was worth $80 million, and I would go, okay, that sounds reasonable. And you said $1.5 million? Also sounds reasonable. There's so many people yeah. on this list that I just – I have no frame of reference. I have no idea. Well, I figured even if he hadn't been working for a long time, that if he had, like, maybe gotten a journeyman plumber's right. job or something like that, and he's <laughs> just, you know, and, and he's just doing local improv or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. He's got benefits. That's yeah, great. why not? So, um, uh, Tracy, uh, mm-hmm. the next person that you get to guess, guess for, um, first would be, um, beloved comedian, Louie Anderson, currently seen in the show baskets. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing. Cause I'm just thinking 
Hey, what'd you do last week, Tracy? Well, weirdly enough, I had Cat Williams come out and snake my toilet. Uh, it was, it was... <laughs> and he was funny as hell. Yeah, he was the funniest plumber we had. And he found diapers we hadn't seen in six years. And he stuck around for an extra hour on a Saturday, which meant we had to pay $400 more. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Louis Anderson, go. I'm going to say $10 million. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go 15, and I think it actually might be higher than that, but I'm going to go 15. Okay. Um, I don't know if there should be an extra point given to Tracy for guessing exactly $10 million, but that is exactly what Louis Anderson is said to be worth, uh, according to CelebrityNetWorth.com. Yeah, and he was one of those key comedians during that sort of 90s resurgence of comedy yeah. that just hit it and was making a fortune everywhere he went. So it's it's not mm -hmm. which is why I went a little bit higher. It's not it's not the 10 million is not surprising at all. And he's hilarious in baskets. He's yeah. amazing in that show. That's a great that's yeah, that was a really it's a really great role of him. Um, but uh, all right. So, Dave, this is one that I. I don't know how you're going to do, but um, he's uh, he's known as the brother of John Belushi. It's Jim Belushi. Well, I mean, Jim's been in a lot of stuff on of his own right. And he was on that. I for, uh, according to Jim, he was on that sitcom for what felt like 28 years. So I feel like he's <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that show. I feel like he's yeah. probably done OK for himself. I'm going to go six million. OK. Yeah, I'm going to go higher than that. Um, I'm probably, and I won't, I won't do like the cheaper thing where I'll do $6 million and $1, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say $15 million. Okay. Um, it's surprising to know that Jim Belushi has a net worth of $50 million. Holy cow. Yeah. 55-0? He inherited a lot from his brother. I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't know how he made his money. Well, yeah, um, his brother I, died in his mid twenties. He didn't make that yeah. much money off Animal House. <laughs> well, interest. I mean, yeah, no. Um, you're, I for, you're forgetting about the other great movies uh, he was that's in. That, that's that. That's that. Nineteen forty-one. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, uh, so Jim Belushi, fifty million dollars. Good for you, Jim. All right, um, Tracy. This next one. Um, can became... Can I stop the game just for a second? I'm sorry. I keep. Yes. I know. I keep throwing it off. I guarantee you nobody's keeping score. Nobody has been keeping score. No, I, I know Tracy's ahead by two. Oh, good deal. Okay. Well, somebody's, but you, you don't know the score. You just know the amount of difference between, I guess I that's all I was going to throw out a ridiculous claim that nobody I just, would know. I just, made, I just made it up. I don't know if he's ahead by I'm, two or I'm not. I'm good with Tracy being ahead by two. That sounds yeah, about I, right. Okay. I, I mean, we'll, we'll go back and listen to it and, and figure it out. I don't, you That'll know, I, I never keep score. On I the, yeah. All right. I don't know if it's because I, I don't have an eye for that detail or if I'm just not competitive and I just think this is fun to talk about it. Um, but uh, Tracy, your your next subject will be known as the rapper from Gangster's Paradise, the massive hit, um, who did not want um, Weird Al Yankovic to do Amish Paradise, but he did it anyway. Uh, Coolio. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is actually kind of hard. Uh, because uh, I tend to, given the uh, success that he had and the way success goes as a musician and artist, I'm going to go way low and I'm going to say $800,000. Okay. So this is my one and only Coolio story. And it's, it's not like I met Coolio, but 
when my family and I were in Disneyland, we were waiting in line. <clears throat> I forget even what ride we were waiting in line for. Um, and my wife said, tell me, why are we standing here? And I just started going, tell me why are we so blah? I started singing Gangster's Paradise. Now, my kids have never heard that song before. But then it was an earworm. It was stuck in my head. And I was singing the, the song. And then my wife, a little bit later, she started singing the song. And by the time, it was Cars. It was the Cars ride, which was a very long line. By the time we got through the line of Cars, my kids were singing a song they had never heard before just because they had heard mom and dad singing. So I had my son going, been spending most our lives living in a game. Like, didn't know the song, but we had spent enough time in that line. We all learned the song collectively as a family. So I'm going to say three million. Okay. And I thought you were going to take that story someplace else. Like, I thought you were going to get up to the front of the ride and the person that fastened your seatbelt. Coolio. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought too. Um, Coolio has a net worth of five hundred thousand dollars, so that's uh, that's to Tracy. Yeah, that seems really low because he's had some hits and he's a known figure. Yeah, but it's yeah, but... all about who owns the rights, right, and sure. I don't think he owned the rights to that. You know, I just think of the of the first iteration of this show and the success it had, and how little money we derived from it. Yeah, and I, I know up to. I, I know can through almost... the years we had blamed you for pocketing all of it. And I think we've learned our lesson since then, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. I can almost guarantee Coolio didn't own the rights to Gangster's Paradise because if he did, he would have been able to stop Weird Al from making his parody, I think. Or at least uh, could have made it that, messier than he it, did. It, yeah, he would have made it messier. But it, that, it gets really hairy when it comes to that because once you allow one artist to perform the song then it opens the door for anybody to be able to perform but they have to get they have to pay for it like they right, have to right, right. they yeah. have to guarantee the paper so anyway we go, we'll go into music law later please but, uh, please all right the uh the next uh the next subject uh for da dave it's your turn dave yeah uh the next subject will be uh somebody you know from the show wings the sitcom wings um, and also known from small independent films and other films uh, appearances, Thomas Hayden Church. I'm going gonna, gonna to tell you right now, I have no idea who Thomas Hayden Church is. And I do Oh, wait, was he the mechanic? Yes, he was the mechanic. All yeah. right. All right. Now we're there. I'm going to say 850,000. Okay. I'll go a little higher than that because he seemed really connected. And he also did a lot of voiceover work. And Dave, he was in Sideways, which you recommended yeah. me to go see. So I was at the theater and uh, you had texted me at the theater and you said, wait till you see like the uh, tow truck driver's penis uh, scene um in the movie sideways and uh, it was too late because i was already in the theater i came back out <laughs> I'll, and, uh, I'll stick with my eight hundred and fifty thousand. but i'm also now just realizing that wings was on for 28 seasons as well and he probably made yeah, eight hundred and fifty thousand a season by the end of that thing so he does a ton of voiceover work uh for commercials as well so i'm gonna go five million Okay, uh, Thomas Hayden Church is worth twenty million dollars. Yeah, according to the Celebrity Network. Not not many people know this, but he is the voice of the Anosex Dung Beetle, which is where he made most of his money. That's mm -hmm. that is yeah. that is true. Yep. That we got him really cheap for we that. Did. We did, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that we had a good marketing team at that point. <laughs> 
I'm so hurt by that. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm so, um, but okay. Um, uh, the, the next, so Tracy, um, the next person you will know from, uh, from his absolutely screeching, horrible voice and, um, and many cameo appearances, Gilbert Gottfried. Ooh. Okay. So this could be kind of hard. He had, uh, social media has not been kind to him. And so he probably lost a lot of job opportunities. And so while he did some voiceover work, I think in some cartoons, I'm going to say and had some some movie stuff. I'm going to probably say close to three million dollars. No matter what Tracy said, I was going to go higher because I think Gilbert Gottfried is one of those people who is extremely tight with his money and has also been successful on a number of levels and has been in the comedy scene for a long time. So I'm going to go four million just to bump up Tracy's guess. But I think it's actually probably higher than that. Okay. Point for Dave, $8 million. Oh, good. Well done. That that cameo money is is killing it for All me. All right. Uh, I believe I'm winning by like five now. Let's go just a couple more, Steve. Is that wrong? I Did I do that? I, I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> Tracy's really... <laughs> really like I was sick the, the head at the time. So. Okay. All right. He has brought in the noise and the funk. All right. Um, so this one's the tiebreaker, winner take all. Okay. I have I have several others. But um, so Tracy... Mm-hmm. Um, no, Dave. It's Dave. Um, right. <laughs> um, you know him from every single Pixar movie because he's Pixar's lucky charm, John Ratzenberger, also of Cheers. Yeah, I'm going 22 million because Cheers was on forever and he made a fortune from that. And then he's also done the Pixar films. 22 million. Okay. I'll say 23 million because I'm a jackass. Well, the jackassery just scored you a point because he's worth $50 million. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Cliff Clavin is worth $50 million. All right. Um, so I think Tracy took it. I, um, I think so too. Yeah. If I mean, if we're going by winner take all, certainly I, took I had it. a tiebreaker on the other end of the scale and you could, you could both guess to see um, who, uh, you know, how much you think John Bon Jovi is worth. 120 million. I would say, well, he owned the Arena Football League team, so <laughs> which lost him a fair amount. Because you know, yeah. that's that's going to be just piling up the dough for him. Yeah, and it's hard to know if he was like using that just kind of like shelter him from taxes. And was it in New Jersey? Is that was it a local team that? Uh, I'll say two hundred and twenty million. Okay, John Bon Jovi has a net worth of four hundred and ten million. Holy cow! Yeah, John, he's, he's done well for himself, and I think he sued Richie Sambora for $100 million. He probably took all that money, too. Good so. good on you, John. Yep, good for good for all of you. It's it's too bad for Richie. Rounding it out, uh, Bow Wow um, rapper is worth $1.5 million, and uh, George Lopez at $45 million. <laughs> Wow, George. Fun fact. Wow. All right, hey, so, we've run long. We're going to wrap things up. Steve, thanks for the fantastic game, as always. Uh, We are cruising up on show number 50. It is right around the corner. We've got something big planned. Make sure you tune in for show number 50, which is, by my math, about seven shows away. Did I do that right? Yeah, it's right around there. Let's let's talk about a different way to do that math. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Steve, anything else to add before we get out of here? no, you're all good people. It would it would be nice if you'd you tell a friend thing. about the show, and if you could do the yeah, yeah, I, I did, I did do the thing where I said no and then did did the thing. Um, 
feel free to send us an email. Um, ask us some questions. Um, you know, give us something, give us something to talk about. Um, as you can hear, we don't have a lot to talk about, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Tracy, anything else from you? Yeah. I'll be riding to California on my uh, bike uh, this week. So I'll be in Northern California, probably Southern California is a little out of my range. So anyway, just uh, looking up here, if you're in the California area, maybe in the uh, salad belt, the Stockton, dusty Stockton area. Bring Look me back me a, there. an In-N-Out burger. I have never had one of those. So. Oh, I had one. They are for a chain. They're fantastic yeah. for a chain. Yeah. Uh, but people up here, they they tell me, oh, yeah, you know, Dick's burger or whatever. Ugh, yuck, whatever. Shut up. Anyway, I'll be in Northern California. This week I'll be uh, the very tired bearded guy on a bicycle. Just uh, throw me a sandwich. <laughs> don't don't squish your nuts. All right, for Steve, for Tracy, for me, Dave. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Dave and Steve Show.